You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is... Paul Gilliary. Paul, there's no time for hashtag witty banter this week, because we have a plethora, plethora, a wapo, of people. That's a, by the way, that's a, uh, I want to ask you, Paul, where's that from, the reference? That is the Three Amigos. Yes. Starring Martin Short, Chevy Chase. And Steve Martin. Oh, I believe it came out in 1986, but I'd have to double check that. That was more than I asked for, but that's fine. Um, so yeah, it, this is gonna be a fun one. We we did um, some polls on Twitter over the last handful of weeks with this in mind. At least I had had this in mind to discuss the answers to the question: What is the first song you think of when you hear the name "Insert Band Member"? That's what we're gonna do. So. Um, of course, uh, thank you to everybody who is a listening, B feeding the algorithm for a chance to win a copy of Stephen Hyden's book, long road, or to have a number of really cool reviews in. So that's awesome. Uh, anybody who's a patron, thank you very much, uh, for helping us keep the lights on much obliged. And, uh, who else? Anybody who's bought a shirt. Thank you to you. Boom. Done out of the way. Okay. So. With me, not just Paul, because we can't just the two of us do this. We got to bring in the big guns. So, back yet again. Can we say formally, or can I, I can just say in perpetuity, the host, the man behind Better Band Podcast, Brandon Palomo. Hello, sir. Hello. I, there's still two more episodes I have to put out, so... Okay. It's, 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 it's hanging oh, on. This, this is like a, the, this posthumous debut. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> like it's my Chinese democracy. Excellent. Ooh. Fantastic. Is Buckethead involved? Um, no, I, I, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um, and of course, uh, the big gun over at the skyscrape and red mosquito forms. It's step. Thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure. Proud to have you back on the show, Step. Always a good As time. Always. And you you told me before that you are full of Mountain Dew. You ready to go? I am. It's <laughs> a, it's very it's very late in my time zone. Fantastic. There's a, there's a we're, we're West spawning. Coast bias for these conversations. Eh, well, you know, well, our, our fifth gentleman, <laughs> we we have a fifth gentleman here who's going to split votes. And one of our listeners, one of our patrons, it's Marty Thomas from the central time zone in St. Louis. Marty. Hi guys, thanks for having me on. I've, it uh, is a pleasure. It's a pleasure. You know, I since the fall, I've been binging you guys like someone catching up on Breaking Bad on Netflix. So I feel like uh, illustrious been, company you put us in. Yeah, like three, four episodes a week. This is a real fan. Wow, life. that's a lot of listening. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I can't wait to tell how my I drive wife to work that there there are actually people that want to listen to three hours of me. <laughs> Seriously. I, sometimes I wonder <laughs> if she can handle three minutes of me. So, <laughs> so thanks well, for having me. Absolutely. I'm glad, glad you, we could have you on. Uh, just one of those fun things that we like to throw out there for, for our patrons. Um, and the first, this is actually the first time we've had a patron on the show. So well, oh, Marty, cool. you've, you've broken the seal. Awesome. 
So no, I mean, like that's I said, not the seal that Stip's going to break for Mountain Dew in about 10 minutes. But. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> also, I do want to point out that I am technically a patron. That's <laughs> true. But we, you, you, you know, for this, your, 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 your subheader, your headline there is, is not patronage. <laughs> I'm just saying, listeners, if, if, if I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see here. Who should we start with? I'm going to start with. I'm going to nominate Marty on this one. Okay. I, I think Marty, uh, you want to pick the, the band member? Our, we're gonna start our with? esteemed guest of honor. Uh, let's go with the drummer first. Let's go with Matt. Matt. Yeah, that's exactly who I was going to go with. We're oh, sympathetic right now. All right. So Matt Cameron, let's just go around the room and then we'll discuss what we think. So Marty, you picked it. Um, Matt Cameron, the first song you think of when you hear his name, what is it? Uh, I, 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 for each of them, I tried to make a little list one, two, like, I know you guys like do honorable mentions. I, mm-hmm. I went with grievance just because the, the first time I ever really saw him, I know he was, I had the album live on two legs, but seeing him on Letterman and that drum intro, I was like, Oh, this guy's awesome. Okay. And like, just, I was expecting him to play nothing as it seems. And like, just the doom, 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 doom. I'm like, all right, this guy's great. So uh, it was between that and you are, but you are, is you know, it's weird to have a guitar driven song by a drummer, but you know, I know I'm sure some people pick you are went with grievance. All right. Grievance. I like it. Uh, Brandon. Uh, I also had you are just because um, it's, he wrote the song. So I kind of had like a written first thought and then like a performance first thought uh for for each of the band members but uh ultimately i went with the fixer which is also something that he wrote but it, uh, he there's that demo out there where he's singing on it so i i, I think that counts okay all, all right. right stip well my first pick was going to be grievance but marty took it what? so my no, backup no, no. There, there is was, no, there's no pick you just say my backup is. was the fixer oh so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll I'll speak to both of those songs when the the time comes. But okay. uh, excellent choices, gentlemen. So, Paul, what do you got? I'm gonna go dance with the clairvoyance. That was my third. I like. Yeah, that. I like. I, that. I, I, I am still riveted by what sounds like a an artificial drum sound that yeah. he essentially would manage to create with uh, with a live set. So it's, I think it's an, an impressive and dedicated feat. You are is, is probably a, a close second for me in that department as well. So I'm going to throw a little wrench into this. I think most people would not think of Matt for even flow. However, if you go back to the 06 tour, he added the drum solo and I was fortunate enough to see that uh, three shows in that tour and all three of them blew my mind. So that one always hangs in the back of my mind. Not my choice, though. My choice is You Are. He wrote it. It's very drum-centric. He wrote the guitar riff with the drum machine. Like, that's the song I think of. But, Marty, when you talk about Grievance, and you talk about, um, like, I hadn't, I've only, I only saw them once before that performance that you're talking about on Letterman. And so reintroducing myself to the band, because I kind of, like, I, I didn't get to go to the, the binaural tour. The timing wasn't right. And I saw that performance and I go, oh man, that's legit. And I love Grievance anyway, so I, I like your choice. Um, what do you guys think of the Even Flow show, by the way? I was going to say the uh, the touring band DVD in 2000 had like a special Matt Cam section. And yes. I remember one of them was Even Flow. And I remember like just watching just him on Even Flow because you're so distracted by everything else that the band's doing. To just watch him on that, I was the same way. I was like, holy shit, this guy. This guy's just right there with Mike on this song. 
Well, you know what it is with with Grievance, why this was, I, I think, a great pick is that, you know, Matt's an excellent drummer, but he's a he's a workhorse. Like, you know, he's the guy who fades into the background so that everybody else can do their things and just sort of holds the ship together. And if mm-hmm. you were going to think of like, what is the one part where you're immediately thinking of like Matt's drumming? where it like stands out in front of everything else. And it's, it's the, that rolling intro to grievance. Like I can't think of another moment in, you know, everything that Matt does that jumps out to me in the way that that does. Uh, let me ask you a question, Stip. When you think of the climax of retrograde, does Matt's drumming mm. stand out for you there? I couldn't even tell you what it sounded like, but I'm like, oh, by, ta- by the wow. time we get to the end, I'm going to go and listen to it. Well, not when we're done to midnight, but tomorrow. Um, <laughs> And just because I'm, to be fair, I'm so just caught up in what Eddie's doing during the the climax that I'm, I'm barely noticing anything else. I I think of that. I think of Matt first and foremost, when I think of retrograde, uh, well, the, the, I should say the outro, the last two minutes, Mm. because it's just like, he's all over the map. Right. Yeah. Um, And then obviously the atmosphere that the rest of the guys are putting together. I want to go back to the fixer real quick. That is something that did not cross my mind. And I wonder <laughs> if it's to do with the fact that Backspacer often just doesn't come to the forefront of my mind. And I know, Stip, you're going to get on me about that. And it's not a bad song per se, but it's, I don't know. I, I You know, okay, I'll give you the, the, the poll here. Um, number one, the internet, this is what the internet says. You are 69%. Take the nice. long way at 14%. Great call. Um, Retrograde was at 6% and the fixer was at 11%. Um, No one said grievance or even flow, but I, I like that you brought those up. And and, uh, I I think, I I don't know. Do you guys think we come to a consensus? What what, what would we, if we all had to come to an accord, what would it be? I don't think we should. And I'll tell you why, because no one, no one listening to this show wants to see the polls reflected and say, this entire episode was an echo chamber of what I already thought. <laughs> so it's it the diversification of this portfolio, my friend, is going to result in a fine return on our investment. I love I love these picks. Wu Tang. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, I want you to pick the next band member. Um, let's go Mike. Mike McCready. All right. Well, give me give me your fir- give me your pick, and then we'll go around the horn, and then we'll discuss. Uh, I, I think of Mike, and the first thing that comes to my head is dissident, just because he is he is all over that, and that's pretty much just him. But uh, I went with ultimately turning mist because uh, <laughs> nobody else Which I, I assume was, was number one on the Twitter poll. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, there's, the, the, there's, there's the weird out of the left field one then for, uh, for everybody to, to ruin the curve. Okay, great. <laughs> All right, Marty, what do you got? Um, yeah, this was a, I had a couple, uh, and like, I, I think it was brand new said in the first round, like there, I try to give like a little more credit if they wrote the song. So there's a lot of songs where obviously Mike is the star, like nothing as it seems, but it's a Jeff song, but I feel like Mike's the star of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first, uh, I went with Given to Fly. I feel like Present Tense, I think, was really like kind of the first uh, song that he wrote the the full set of music to. But I feel like Given to Fly was like the first hit. That was a, a Mike song. So I went with Given to Fly. Okay, Paul. 
gosh, uh, it's hard for me not to say yellow lead better on the outset. Mm -hmm. Um, I really wanted to say inside job. That was the, my gut reaction was inside job. Um, but in terms of like live mic, it's really hard to separate the solo at the end of black. I mean, that, that song has very quickly morphed into a showcase for him. I shouldn't say quickly. It has over time morphed into a showcase for him. Uh, but if, if, if pressed into action to choose one, I'm going to go with yellow lead better. Step. I was also going to, um, I was debating between two. I'm basically in the same boat as, as Paul. And I wanted to say alive because his solo is my favorite. I think like 90 seconds of, of music ever, but he's not, in, he's not the most important part of that song up until that point. So I'm, I am going to also go with Yellow Lead Better, which is just from start to finish, despite how good Ed sounds in that, is just, you know, his sort of like emotional, intuitive playing at its best. Like every second of that song is gorgeous. Yeah, I, I think all those are great shouts. I, I chose Lead Better as well. Um, my honorable mention was Evenflow because they give him five minutes to just be fucking Mike McCready. <laughs> and so like... Wh- as much mm-hmm. as as much as the um uh, sorry as much as the alive solo ha- is his however many minutes they want to go moment so is the even flow solo and i feel like you think about you think about mike you think about his 1960 summer strat and that's what he plays in that song and that's where he rips and goes nuts and that's where you know ed calls him out um not the same uh, on alive because it's not his moment to shine uh, I'm sorry, this, the song isn't about him. It's more about Ed. He just puts the punctuation on it, as great as that is. But yeah, I think Ledbetter, I mean, the, the whole thing is just him doing a little wing jam, right, for four minutes and, and Ed mumbling. And that's, if it's if it's not for him, there's no song there. And I think actually sure. our live cut choice for that, Paul, right, was, that was from Mesa, Arizona, where there was it was just uh-huh. like him and drums. Like there was no, nobody yeah. else on the on the track. So that, that shows the strength, I think. Um, what did the internet say? Um, there was obviously some write-ins, but none of them reached the heights here. So, uh, in fourth place of the four options, with nothing as it seems, five percent. Inside job at twenty-two percent, even flow at twenty-six percent, and yellow better at forty-seven percent. So, there you go. Uh, okay, Stip, where are we going next? Uh, let's go to Jeff. Jeff Ament. All right, give me a was- choice. I was back and forth between two, but I don't want to take two songs off the map for somebody else. So my number one was Jeremy. Um, I think it's maybe his most sort of iconic playing. And Jeremy's another one where it's one of my favorite songs. I've been listening to it for 30 years. And the only like musical part of that song I can easily just, you know, call to mind is is what Jeff does. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it it is it defines that song in a way I don't think he's able to quite on any other track. The um, if you go back to the Redux version and the original version, there is a lot of difference in what the guitars do sonically. There's it just it just sounds different, but the bass doesn't because the bass is the heartbeat of the song. That that was my choice too, Jeremy. Uh, for all the reasons you just said, uh, Paul, what what do you got? Uh, gosh, you know that one's tough. I mean, I think of of a lot of different songs with Jeff. I mean, the 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 first three kind of come at me really really quickly. Um. I think of Low Light, I think of Tremor Christ, and I think of Nothing Man. Those songs Mm. just like blitz me really, really quickly. Ironically, before Jeremy, which sounds blasphemous, but (laughs) because, uh, you know, that is the the quintessential, you know, iconic moment for for Jeff. But uh, when I think of Jeff as a songwriter, 
I think more of the, the, that experience with Montana, you know, the songs like nothing is it seems and, and uh, his, his connection to his past and his childhood and, and that road that continually leads him right back there one way or another. Um, I think he's always going to be anchored there. And I, I think that really shines in his music in a lot of ways on both a, a very um, haunting and at the same time uplifting way. Uh, whereas I, I feel like a song like Jeremy um, is, to, you know, to, to take what Stip was saying, where Ed's performance is so profound in that song. Mm. Uh, but I think that Jeff's bass is probably the only thing in that song that comes close to rivaling it as, as far as you know, lasting impact. So uh, I certainly do not take umbrage with Jeremy as a choice. I think it, it's it's probably the best choice. Uh, but for me, for whatever reason, it's I think I, I've just been in the weeds so much on this podcast, <laughs> just analyzing these songs that I, uh, I I I can't separate Jeff from some of these other tracks. <clears throat> so you're gonna go with Nothing Man or Tremor Christ? Or what are you? Gonna I'm gonna go with? go Tremor Christ. I like that choice. Yeah. That's a really good choice, Brandon. Um, I thought of, uh, nothing man for a song that he wrote. Cause there's also that, uh, demo going back to demos again yeah. of, of, uh, the early version of that. But ultimately, I mean, ev- everybody is on the same track with Jeremy. Cause it, it, it maybe it's the alliteration as well, Jeremy, Jeff. Okay. Um, but it is, yeah, basically, uh, Mike and stone are trying to, not step on his toes while he's out there doing his thing. And they're just kind of like noodling around. Marty, what do you think? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's like hard not to go with Jeremy, but for a lot of the same reasons I went with why go, it's like yeah. another uh, nice. bass driven song. Mm-hmm. The guitars are basically doubling what he's doing on the, I think it's an eight string guitar or an eight string bass. And you know, I mean, if if Dave K was included in this, that might be my Dave K song too, just because of the drums right into the bass. But yeah, it was Why Go and then um, Low Light, just like for what Paul was saying. And then Rats was close too. I know Rats isn't in anyone's top 10, but just such a funky bass line. I love that. That uh, you might see that carve up later on. I'm just going to say, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm glad somebody mentioned why go. That was my second choice. And I actually yeah. had it first for a while and then realized like, no, it's, it's Jeremy. What am I doing? I mean, yeah. whenever I think of, they didn't play why go for a long time and they brought it back probably like, I don't know, 10 years ago. And it became, especially the last tour pretty common. Yeah. And I just think about Jeff, even at, at 60 now, he's just kind of leaning back in that like yeah. field pose, like bong, don't, 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 yeah amazing so i'm with you on that um what are the internet marty say? before uh, marty before uh uh everybody online jumps it, uh, all over you it's the Uh-oh. it's his hammer 12 string bass hammer gotcha hammer oh it's hammer <laughs> uh, yes. well i can't read so there we go <laughs> before Thank somebody else saving me. <laughs> Pretend i'm <tweets>. unliterate yeah. <laughs> all right so Thank the internet you. said um of the four choices that were in the poll smile 14%. Nothing as it seems, 21%. Low light, 22%. Jeremy, 43%. Um, no one mentioned uh, Tremor Christ. I think somebody did mention Nothing Man, but um, you can see people's heads are at. All right. Um, Paul, you yes. choose the next one. Okay. Let's go with Stone on this one. Stone Gossard. All right. Who's your, what's your choice? This is a tough one. Uh, for me, it's not, but okay. uh, yeah, I mean, Never mind. The, 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 the only two that really <laughs> immediately come to mind are uh, 
are black and uh, and alive. Uh, I, I think that I, I, I go back to the demo that went up north and, or I should say south. <laughs> uh, and it's really hard for me to not think of just that music and how Eddie was able to connect with it and put words down to it in ways that arguably led to two of the most memorable Pearl Jam songs ever composed. And uh, for the longest time, I mean, I think Stone was the the driving melodic force in the band from both the songwriting perspective. And I think in, in many ways, a recording uh, direction as well. And I mean, obviously the baton has, has shifted in more into Eddie's hands now, but uh, you know, we forget sometimes at the outset that post um, uh, post Green River, you know, post Mother Love Bone. I mean, this this was really in a lot of ways it was it was kind of Stone trying to help navigate them through this trauma, and uh, they found Ed. But I think that the music that really helped them find Ed, and the music that I think of most when I think of early Pearl Jam are, are Stone Gossard songs. And those two are at the forefront for me. So black and alive. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with black though. Just you would. It's cheating because it's my favorite song. <laughs> but the the real choice should be alive. Steph, what do you got? So I got like a sort of a a little journey here to get to my answer. Stone was the hardest one for me to to choose because there's um, so many. Yeah, and and I think he's got an in. He probably has, I think, the most interesting just journey as an artist across the arc of the band. I think Stone has the most distinct eras. And so, you know, initially I wanted to go with Alive, my favorite song, uh, maybe Pearl Jam's defining riff or uh, certainly Stone's defining riff. Um, but then I was also just, you know, thinking about the arc of his career and I almost went with Amongst the Waves, which feels Ooh. like the sort of the, the mature, uh, you know, like older second half of the you know the career kind of equivalent of of alive like it still has the same kind of like effortlessly anthematic sensibilities that a song like alive or a black black does but it's it's gentler it's um you know off kilter in that way that his writing kind of you know turned turned into but i think the the sweet spot for for stone where you get you know the 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 anthems, the the killer instinct that he had in those earlier songs, the sort of like off kilter direction that he trended into in the second half of his career is do the evolution, and mm -hmm. so that's that's going to be my pick. I, I think like that, that fuses yeah, I all of Stone's writing together. All right, Marty, what do you say? Um, I actually I had do the evolution too um, for a lot of the same reasons, and then. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, Paul, when you were talking about both Alive and Black and pretty much almost anything on 10, you can say, like, that's the, the reason to pick one of those for Stone. Um, but even like you kind of touched on it, like Black is like, especially early days, it was such like an Eddie vocal song. And then mm -hmm. now it's a Mike solo song. And same with Even Flow, like my like a lot of the other band members, like almost, I don't want to say upstage him because that's not fair to him because he's doing his job. But do the evolution was the one where I felt like that he was, you know, that's such a typical stone riff. And then also he has the guitar solo on it. Mm -hmm. You can see that the duck face and everything. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just all of that. And, uh, in hiding for a lot of the same reasons that, uh, Stip mentioned for like amongst the waves, it's like the mature version of like some of those awesome, like off kilter riffs from the early days. So that was me, uh, 
rambling a whole bunch, but ultimately I went with do the evolution too. I, I like I like to do great the evolution calls. shout. That's a great shout. Um, him playing the solo obviously is huge. Uh, Brandon, what do you think? Uh, my first thought was uh, of mankind, uh, just because <laughs> he sings good, on it. Shout. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's that's. I, I don't know why people are saying it's like, oh, it's hard to think of a Stone song. It's like mankind. He you sings know, on it. That's Stone likes that answer. But ultimately, I I had to go for of the girl. Just yeah, because it's, nice. it's just that noodly and also it's got the stone stomp and groove in it that uh is that he's gotten all his best songs. And it's it's just a real sort of him turning into left field where some of his uh other songs that make record that make the albums uh kind of head off into that direction and you know, you get like seven o'clock and stuff. I think as a direct result. I think um, these are all great answers. My my choice is alive because the lead single from this new band, it's one of the three songs that Ed puts his thing on, his voice on, sends it back up. It's the most iconic riff in the catalog. I mean, save for maybe even flow, which again, it's my honorable mention. If you you could almost split him up into into eras, as Stip said, and I and if you did, I could see an argument for a song like Rival, because that is you talk about a stone stomp and like the weirdness and like the and he wrote the lyrics for it like that that's to me like mid tier like mid mid uh, journey stone, but I think ultimately if you ask the question, what's the first song that comes to mind? It's got to be him just down. It's got to be. So that's what I went with. Um, the <clears throat> internet, what do you say? Uh, 7% said no way. Nice. 19% said even flow. 34% said alive, which was not the number one answer. Number one answer with 40%. Can you guess it? Is it evolution? No. Well, mankind. Mankind. <laughs> mankind. How about that? Uh, at least it's not don't give me no lip. So. <laughs> I, I like Johnny Don't Give Me more than, more than Mankind. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, uh, of, the right. gr- of the Girl is up on my list, too. And then Buckle Up, too, is another one in that same Of the Girl yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, he, that, that was the hardest one, I think. He had so many different eras, like you guys said. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's go to the singer here. Let's go to Edward Jerome Vetter. Um, I'm going to go first here. And I'm going to say, I feel like the easy answer. Well, there actually is no easy answer because there's so many choices here. My honorable mention is Better Man because it's just the quintessential like early Ed, and it was it's just that's that's him at the time, uh, and for so many years before that until they finally put it out. My choice though is going to be Porch, and because a he wrote the song, but b what the song became, this elongated thing, and he took the for lack of a better word, catharsis of the audience and him and made that part of the show by then obviously scaling the entirety of the arena, right? So that song became something bigger. And so not just the words, not just the riff, you know, he, obviously he wrote both things, but then he added the third element um, of this, this catharsis in, 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 in performance, or I guess you could say by, by, 
and obviously later it became you know swinging on on glowing bulbs as opposed to scaling walls and stuff and architecture but that's the first thing i thought of and i think there's a number of right answers here and i'm curious what you guys have to say so uh, let's go before we move on i would yeah. say in defense of porch too which I, I didn't have but i think you can make an argument that the unplugged porch oh, is exactly. maybe the, yes. the definitive live mm-hmm. version of anything and it's really ed that is carrying that entire performance even when he's not singing yeah yeah His handstands on stools exactly all right well uh let's go with uh, marty what do you got next give me, give me. um yeah i had better man as the backup and for some of the similar reasons like i know porch was the first song he wrote like on an album track music wise but the second one i think was probably rearview mirror and it was the first one i think i saw him playing the guitar in that opening riff mm-hmm. and i know there's a lot of other members of the band who star on that one but for some reason i think i just remember it from saturday night live and thinking like oh like it looks this looks like eddie's band now for me for some reason so nice i went with rearview mirror and for a similar reason not for you was also close up there i was like oh i think ed's taken over now i just same same episode of saturday night live i just for some reason really remember watching that one as a kid i like that brandon uh, my first thought also was uh, Better Man because, you know, he brought the song over from Bad Radio and it, it is sort of like the the one that they kept coming back to Brendan O'Brien wanting to put it on verses, yada, yada, yada. Um, but ultimately, uh, people were talking about uh, how, you know, Alive is Stone's song, but I really think that, I mean, before Ed got on the song, it was Dollar Short. And Ed is what makes it alive because he uh, wrote the lyrics for it and pretty much uh, cannonballed the band into everybody's faces. And and I thank God I lost the tape a long time ago, but mm. that that song I, I sang like a karaoke version at Great America. <laughs> and <laughs> again, thank God I lost it because that was like, oh man, I want to be in a band. I want to sing and did my bad Eddie impersonation. And uh, uh, yeah, went in, a, went in a different vocal direction. But uh, they, they almost used that instead of that frog's B side <laughs> on immortality. They, if only you hadn't lost the tape. All right, Steph, what do you got? Um, I had a, I had a, uh, this was, this was, this was tough. Um, just because it kind of, for me, it depends on what you wanted to, to highlight. Um, I almost went with a live, uh, which could have been the correct answer for everybody except for Matt and only because he wasn't in the band yet. But, you know, I don't know. I just probably the, the best. It, that's true. It, it could have been the best <laughs> answer for everybody. You know, a live is, is maybe the best example of like the, the clarity and the, the certainty that, you know, Eddie can bring to his performance the way that's just like a, you know, like a, a spot, like a, a lighthouse, you know, in a, on a, a foggy night. It's just an amazing performance. Um, black for the outro. Um, you know, like one of the defining moments, you know, in the the catalog, you know, elderly woman for I was thinking mm. of for a little bit. But that's like the first time his vocals were really just standing alone, where the the rest of the music is clearly just there to have something he can be singing over. Um, Corduroy is um, probably the best example of his writing. Um, mm. You know, just in terms of the the structure of the song as a, a a piece of songwriting and like, you know, really just centering his style. I almost went with hard sun, even though it's not a Pearl Jam song, just because the, the uh, besides just, I think it being his best individual vocal performance in the, 
the 2000s the uh the part where he's like keening during you know what i might be the bridge you know and he's just like you know singing those sustained notes the wordless vocalizations like that's that's eddie at his best yeah uh but in the end the answer i think was better man um you know it's his besides just the remark how remarkable it is that it's one of his first songs it's such a, a showcase of his like unguarded pop sensibilities like you know what he could be writing if he wasn't you know so worried about not writing that kind of song it's intensely personal in the way that his best performances are it's got the the empathy that defines him as a singer uh and it's just an amazing performance nothing wrong with that can't disagree paul what do you think uh i think stiff said it best there the only song that i would say pops into mind probably just as often for me is just breathe uh, mostly because oh, yeah. I think that that's a song that in many ways is is kind of Eddie f- not being guarded anymore, right? Uh, that the, mm-hmm. Those sensibilities yeah. he finally embraces and he's like, this is me. And, and I think the rest of the band loved it and they got behind it. Uh, you, you think of some of the things that Stone said about in the, in the end and uh, just breathe and just how beautiful those songs were and how I think a lot of that, that, that deference and reverence and respect we see that play out on a song like comes then goes as well, mm. where they just, you know, to, to kind of go with what Brad had talked about. I'm sorry, not Brad, what Josh had talked about, where sometimes kind of feeling and you know, quoting Jeff on this one, where he, he told uh, Josh that, you know, sometimes the, the best contribution, you know, the, the, the best, I guess contribution, I think was a word that he used is, is no contribution, you know? So I think just breathe is just a great example of the edit vetter that we now have, you know what I mean? Uh, that I think that I think of Eddie in two or three different phases and uh, yeah. the phase that we are in now, like the, the Eddie Vedder that we know now, that to me is the song in many ways that defines Ed in a lot of ways. So uh, well, I'm, I'm going to go better man for obvious reasons, but okay. uh, I think uh, just breathe is, mm-hmm. is a close second for me. The internet um, did uh, write in just breathe uh, quite a, quite a bit of the four options presented to them. Uh, fourth place went to release. 21 percent call very uh, good call actually i know we, we, none of us even mentioned yeah. that that's interesting i'm not kind of surprised now that you say it <laughs> yeah. that, that's all it right there um 24 for black 25 for better man and 30 percent for alive but yeah. that, i really like oh. i'm sorry Paul, Jason, no man. i was just gonna say release i'm surprised no one said release that's so. a great call i really like that just breathe answer like now that i'm thinking about it because even i mean yeah. you you credited it to late era eddie and it, like you know just breathe is not I, I like it it's not one of my my favorites but i think you can make the argument that every song eddie writes is at heart a love song you know whether it's mm-hmm. the the love that he has or the love that he's searching for mm-hmm. and it's not until you know, the backspacer era, maybe that he just starts to openly embrace it. And, you know, just breathe kind of strips away all of the, the artifice and the, the veils like in between his, uh, the sort of public perception of those performances, what he's doing in the songs and the actual intent like that, that is a real good, you know, catalog choice. Thank you, Steph. Well, I'm going to go and and do, um, we're going to do two bonus guys here, both drummers, Mm because I feel like we have to, um let's first go actually marty who do you want to go with yeah. first uh let's go with dave a all go right dave dave a. Peace. um what is your choice for song that first comes to mind um it's 
the obvious it's go um just him kicking off that second album just like going 120 miles per hour uh it's it's it was that wma or last exit and uh i mean i couldn't go wrong with any of them but go goes the one paul uh first thought was wma yeah i i feel that a lot uh brandon um i was thinking of of go as well it starts off the album and he wrote the riff uh but i'd have to go for last exit because i i think that that's just a more sort of in your face uh uh start of a record with that song piccolo snare brenda o'brien very cool uh all right step what do you think last exit i mean it's in a similar spot to go but you know the start of go that that people really remember even though dave wrote the song it, it's it's the bass mm. um and last exit is the the drums plus my first pearl jam show i ever saw they opened with last exit so it'll always have a uh and it kicks off my favorite album so it, it's got a lot a lot going for it well um before i get to my answer i'm going to tell you that the internet um mentioned animal quite a lot in the write-ins oh. And they also mentioned, and um, the uh, ir- not irony, but the uh, the cheekiness is not lost on me. They mentioned glorified G a lot. <laughs> uh, so there's that, which is fun. Um, ultimately, the internet went with uh, Go at 41%. Um, yeah. Next was, was Rearview Mirror at 33%, which I mm. like. WMA at 19%, and Dirty Frank at 7%. Um <laughs> Last exit didn't make the list. It did not make the list, and people did not write it in very much. Which, but I, Hmm. it's it's one of my honorable mentions along with Go, for all the reasons that you guys talked about. But my choice is the single version of Even Flow. That that version of Even Flow, which you would hear across that opening tour, you'd see it on the award shows, you'd see it on the music video, or you hear I should say, yeah, that's the video version, right? The the one that O'Brien did afterwards. And I feel like I heard that version more. And then you got the uh, live on the live on um, the uh, unplugged. Obviously, it's a little bit different because it's unplugged. But the way he played that song, that's how I remember the song. Way more than I do the studio version, the proper studio version with Dave Cruson. Mm. Thoughts? Is that weird? No, that's a good choice. That's a great performance yeah all right brandon give me uh give me your 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 shout for jack irons here our last guy jack irons uh the but besides whale song i guess uh (laughs) just because another one that uh that he sings um the only one i could really think of was uh that i i kept coming back to was happy when i'm crying Uh, uh just it's got the weird it's got the weird jackness to it yeah yeah and it's it's ed ed sings it but it's it's this weird sort of double tracked uh uh vocal delivery and you know had the rem song on the other side uh if you had the uh the holiday Mm -hmm. single live for today yeah (laughs) so that's 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 uh that's that's what i had to go with okay step um I'm not a big fan of of Jack's drumming, as I've I've, I've said before. Um, but there's one 
song that I think he kills, like, you know, when he like comes in, it's like, oh yeah, you could give me, you know, this all day and I'd be, I'd be happy. And that's brain of Jay. Nice. I like that shout. Very cool. Very good shout. Uh, Paul. Uh, it's really hard for me to not go with, uh, who you are in my tree. I mean, those, that was my introduction to, to Jack on a lot of levels as it relates to Pearl Jam for obvious reasons. Um, so I'm I, that eclectic kind of tribal feel to me has always made me uh, like Jack as uh, at his place in the pantheon of Pearl Jam's music. So I'm going to go in my tree. Marty. Um, I actually like, I know he doesn't even, I can't even think of what he sounds like on the song, but around the bend for some reason was the first one that came to my mind yeah, earlier yeah. today. Nice. But then on the drive, I love, home, I love the homage there. Yeah. But I was listening to Give Way on the ride home and heard the intro to In My Tree. I was like, oh, shit. Now that's Jack. Yeah. So I, I switched to In My Tree just based on hearing the, the live track today. Yeah. the I'm with you guys on In My Tree. Um, it was, and it, it was, I think, the, the runaway winner with the internet. Uh, 68% said In oh, My okay. Tree. Uh, 21% Who You Are. 11% Do the Evolution, um, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Listen, I've been on record many times saying I don't really care for how Jack plays the stuff before he came into the band. I don't think his style suits it. However, on the no code stuff and the yield stuff, I think I do prefer him. And and that's as somebody who said that Matt's his favorite Pearl Jam drummer. When you when you take everything into account, Um, but that that era was so important to the band obviously for a number of reasons and jack is the reason why and so his his fingerprints are all over this thing and what's more of a fingerprint than something like in my tree or who who you are um so i'm gonna go in my tree it's just i can't the sound does not sound remotely like it should as well as matt plays it like uh like jack did it so i'm gonna go in my tree there we go we did it nice and tight (laughs) i feel accomplished I, f- I feel good. I feel good. My, my beverage can, can is Can I throw a quick wild card out there? Please. And you all have 10 seconds to answer. No explanation necessary. Ready? Because you did leave somebody out here. I did. Boom. Boom. Oh, boom. What do you guys think? Uh, Brandon, we'll start with you. Uh, Crazy Mary. Okay. Marty. Love Bo Captain. Stip. I am mine. Ooh, Jason. Crazy Mary. You guys are good. I was going to go love Bo Captain myself. Nice. Ooh, I love the little. Uh, what, what, what would you call that? Epilogue? Coda? You want to do it? Brendan O'Brien, the piano on, on Future Days. Is that everybody's top choice? <laughs> the the li- Him playing live uh, uh, Crown of Thorns. Oh, yeah. Oh, is that yeah, at the Vegas, Vegas 10th anniversary show. Oh, yeah, all right. Go. No, all right. Yeah, That's yeah. a better answer. There you go. All right, guys. Well, um, I think we accomplished something. You know, <laughs> something something important. It's content. It's content. <laughs> the world is a slightly better place now I than it so. was before we started this conversation. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I want to thank. No kittens uh, were harmed during the production <laughs> of this podcast. I mean, not on Mike. <laughs> uh, Stip, thank you for joining us. I'm sure you'll be back again. Always a pleasure. Brandon, thank you. I'm sure you'll be back again as well. Thank you, Marty, the patron, the listener, the guy from St. Louis. Thanks for coming on for the first time. Thanks for having me, guys. A lot of fun. Excellent. Yeah, honestly, Jason and I love having guests on. It makes us look better. 
tip of the cap. And that's why we do it. Yes. <laughs> Less air for you guys to fill. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> All right. That was a lot of fun. And uh, really enjoyed having uh, Marty on our first listener. Mm-hmm. Involvement. For hopefully the first of many in, yeah. the, in the coming coming months, days, years. Decades? Eras. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um, well, let's just move on then to our Lyric of the Week. Lyric of the Week this week comes from Gigaton. We're getting back into that album, and we're going to take the long way. Paul, take the long way. This is a Matt Cameron song, and this is what this is the very end. It's the outro. What do you got? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, it's an uh, underrated song for me. It's a, a song I like a lot. Uh, really connected with this. Felt like a kind of a riot act throwback in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, that's a good shout. You know, and when I listen to this song, it's the, the the drumming and the guitar. There's an infectious groove to both of them. I'm a big, big fan of this song, and uh, I love the the guest vocals on it. And it mm-hmm. makes me wonder if we're going to hear more of that in the future. It was very subtle on this track, actually. Uh, I could have used more of it, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I would love to, uh, the hope is that this is a precursor of, of, of some more, more fun experiments like this. Plant a seed in your mind. What's yours is mine. Show me how to live. Divine. What's yours is mine. Back to a moment in your mind. Go back in time. Show me how to live divine. What's yours is mine. I get some Chris Cornell callbacks with these lyrics. Mm. Um, you know, you get the I am mine callbacks in a lot of ways too. I think that <clears throat> this this idea of unconditional love, of being in a relationship, having a connection with somebody where there it, it, everything is essentially shared because there's this universal uh, transcendent understanding that you really can't find a real connection, a genuine connection, something that's authentic if you create these constructs that are kind of rooted in the external. Meaning, uh, hey, that's my this, or this is your that, right? I think when we start doing those kinds of things, we become attached to possessions in ways that create divisions. And mm. I think that in, in a lot of ways, this song is about kind of breaking down those walls, those constructs and saying, okay, let's just be, let, let, let's find on a metaphysical level what it is that makes us connected to each other. And let's just kind of funnel everything through there or filter everything through there. And you kind of get to this place where, you know, there's a joke that a lot of people have with their spouse, right? A lot of, a lot of times, like my wife will joke and say, uh, you know, what's, what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, I think the same is in reverse, right? In the sense that, you know, you can truly be happy with somebody when you, you don't take the long way, so to speak, you know, um, when you, you kind of, or, or when you do, because sometimes relationships work. 
You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think in a lot of ways, the song kind of touches on that as well. Like you, you kind of have to be willing to go back, you know, that, that line there back to a moment in your mind, go back in time, show me how to live divine, which yours is mine. So a, a lot of it is just trying to find moments in time placements where you and the person you care about can kind of connect on a way that's, that's essentially amounts to a parallel wavelength. And it's really, really hard to do because we we all have our own needs. You know, we talk about the id and the ego and what drives us. And, and those things are so germane to us as individuals that we lose sight of the fact that the, the, the real, the real, pardon me, the real release, the real liberty comes from not being governed by those things. And uh, I know I'm kind of like talking in the weeds with this, but I think what I like about this song is that it... It, it actually kind of elevates. It's not like abstract in a way that a lot of Jeff's writing can be sometimes. I mm. think that there, there is some direct correlation to some of these bigger ideas. Um, <clears throat> when I first heard the song, it was like, I couldn't help but think it, it just feels like a highway song, like a road song, you know, Pearl's mm. has a lot of road songs. And I had, I had a lot of fun kind of parsing out that there was a lot more happening here than I think the title was suggesting. Yeah, I think you you hit it very well. Um, and you talk about the id and ego and, and relationships. I mean, it, for me, it's a song about your better half. It's a song mm-hmm. celebrating your humility that you need your significant other just as much as you want them. That's important. Mm-hmm. And there are times when we might stray from that one, either mentally, emotionally, physically, or all of the above. And it's almost... It's almost like a redemption song to me in a way. Like, show me how to live divine. What's yours is mine. It's like, maybe I fucked up at some point. Maybe I let you go or pushed you away, but I've learned that that was stupid. You know, so please understand. I realize what you mean to me now, and hopefully you can accept my humble apology. But maybe maybe it wasn't even a mistake. Maybe you just didn't do anything wrong, but the timing wasn't right long ago. and, And you felt like you fucked up. And and now you won't make that mistake again. I think there's I think there's strength in admitting that you need someone and telling them that fact. Mm-hmm. So often we don't tell people what they mean to us. So telling yourself is one thing that can be hard to do, but opening yourself up to an emotional dagger is also hard. But a showing of true strength. And I've said it before that vulnerability is strength. And I think it's what this this song and the stanza is trying to do. Telling the one that you love, that they're truly that important to you. That's everything. And I, I think this song has a journey to it. I think it's kind of parsed into sections. And I I don't know how I feel about musically it kind of downshifting at the end here, but I like what, what Ed's saying. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Well, there are not a lot of versions of this song to choose like a, from when a it comes dozen or so, right? About a half a dozen. So let's take a look now at our live cut of the week. Ready to stand up! All right, so take the long way. Only six performances. And I will say, now that we have about nine, I think it's nine shows on the books for this fall, 2023 one could say that those are part of the era 
that would apply. So maybe we'll have mm-hmm. to come back and revisit this at some point if they play at any one of those shows. We all have fall. to revisit all these Gigaton songs, theoretically. <laughs> theoretically, we might have to. But here we are. So uh, of the six available choices, we're going with... Uh, I like May 7th, Inglewood, 
like you said, at the forum. We were both there on the floor. Was this? This was, was this my a... son's birthday, by the way. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, How about that. So it, lot, was it also um, value for me? <laughs> was it also uh, tambourine night? Or was it night one? Uh, that was night one. Okay. Well, night two, they played Take the Long Way. And there's a thing that I noticed across the versions of, of this, the performances of this song, where the Dana Point and the Asbury Park performances, uh, it felt like they were getting their sea legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stone kind of just stuck with the parts. Right. But once we got to San Diego, uh, was it San Diego? No, sorry. Once I got to LA and beyond, he started adding these little little cool ad-lib lead things in the very beginning, right. which I thought was very, very cool. Uh, I think there's some timing uh, with a Matt song, of course, there's some timing going from part to part to part. That's, that's hard. And he's so technically sound that you've got to be really in lockstep to get those little guitar flutters uh, to work in a live setting. And they did in this particular version, the uh, little mic pre-chorus things. Mm-hmm. I think overall it was a super tight performance. The backing vocals were fantastic, which is key. Obviously, it wasn't Jessica Grandall, but I think Josh did a great job. And the 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 big key, speaking of the outro that we just talked about, the transition to the outro, that was a bugaboo for a number of these performances. And I found that this, I, you know, I think that this performance nailed it. And if it wasn't for Ed completely ruining and forgetting the vocals for the last verse in Quebec City, that may have gotten it, but mm. he did. So here we are. Um, I, I, I know you're probably saying, hey, you're just picking the, the version you went to. No. It's, it, well, it's a sound performance. I mean, look, there, there will be more to choose from, I think. Uh, and it'll be interesting if we ever have a, uh, a guest pop on. You know, I mean, what do we have? Uh, yeah, Bono's Kid. His band, they're opening for Pearl Jam, I think, right? What's the name of the band that's opening for? Oh this God, tour? I'm I'm blanking. I know. I, I mean, I can see it, but I can't. I can't yeah. see it. If you know what I'm saying. But uh, you know, if we do end up with you know somebody popping on stage, if we get a a female vocalist, this would definitely be towards the top of my list of, of songs to hear. Just mm. just to get that sound live, I think it'd be pretty cool. So. So there you go. That's the episode. We want to thank uh, Marty for coming on, our patron. Obviously, Stip and Brandon are, uh, I guess, legacy members, if you could could put it that way, (laughs) of of the show. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the the task at hand, the exercise. And and if you have uh, your own answers, please comment where you comment, and we'll continue the conversation there. Um, Again, thank you to all of our patrons. You guys help keep this thing moving. And anybody who's written a review, remember, free copy of Stephen Hyden's book, Long Road. Fantastic book. Up for grabs. It is. Yep. And, uh, yeah, there you go. So with uh, with that, uh, we'll see you next week. And until we do, you've listening to The State of Love and Trust. 